You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, boy, that makes you want to say amen right there. Goodness, great song. Now you can say amen a bunch of different ways. You can emphasize the A, amen, like that. Kind of let the men go at the back there if you're angry at men. Amen, like that or something. But, um, or you could go, amen, you know, emphasize the men. That's more of Mrs. Barber's amen, the emphasizing the men at the end there. I'm more heavy on the A, but she's heavy on the men. And I like her amen. By the way, some people think that ladies can't say amen in church. I don't know where they got that. You can say amen in church. Mrs. Jones, can you say amen in church? That's what I thought, okay? It's okay. Uh, you know, you're not relegated to just waving hankies or whatever it is, you know. But uh, you can say, you could say, praise the Lord. You can say, um, go Cubs, go. You can say, no, I'm sorry, wait, that was, that's a different one, sorry. But uh, you could say, you, you know, praise the Lord, glory to God, preach on, that's right, that's good. Uh, you know, any of those type of things, it's, it's, all, it's all good, okay? You can do a backflip if you want, off the balcony. Just sign a waiver real quick, and no, I'm just kidding about that. You can raise a hand, it's all, it's all good, it's all okay. The only rule is that it's not overly distracting to everyone. If you're, if you're you know, running up and down the aisle here like this, doing laps, you might distract from what God wants to do. That's the only thing. But saying amen, putting a hand up putting your Bible up, anything like that, I just want to let you know. If you did not know already, it's okay. And it's more than okay, it's good, all right? So there you go. All right, just wanted to share that with you. I was thinking as Brother Delgado was singing, how blessed we are to have the Delgados in our church. So they've been here much longer than me, but uh, uh, they were so blessed to have them. They've been such a huge blessing to faith, and I especially since taking over the pastorate, and uh, so, so grateful for both of them. And also a great singer. The first time I came to church here was April 29, 2006, when my wife and I came down to interview. We were still college students. We were unmarried. And we came down, and I preached in the youth department, went soul winning with the teens. And then uh, that Sunday morning, Robert Cole sang. And that Sunday night, John Delgado sang. I was like, man, this church has some great singers and uh, did a great job. Brother Cole just kind of, I wasn't prepared for that. You know, he got up just at the microphone. Oh, you know, just like this loud voice, you know. And didn't even need the microphone. But uh, anyway, I don't know how I got off into all that. I was just thinking about how thankful I was for the Delgados. Okay, all right. Matthew chapter number 7. I want to preach a message this morning that has nothing to do with the Veterans Day. Uh, it has to do with storms in life. And I want to preach the message entitled, The Wise Man and the Storm. The Wise Man and the Storm. Now, you know this story. If you, if you grew up in church at all, you know it. And you probably sang a, a tune about it when you were a kid if you grew up in church. If, you, if this is new to you, that's okay. It may seem familiar as we read through it here, but it's a very famous parable. Now, what's a parable? A parable, just to help you, it, when Jesus was telling stories in the Bible, oftentimes they were called parables, which basically, if you want to just put it into a, a very simplistic way of saying it, would be an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. 
An earthly story with a heavenly... I think it's a little bit more than that, but, but it's okay. It's an earthly story. So he's sharing an illustration or a, 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 an almost like an object lesson. It's an earthly story, but it has a heavenly <coughs> application or meaning to it. And so we're going to see a parable here. And uh, these few short verses contain a lot of wisdom, especially about dealing with storms in life. What do we mean by storms? When we talk about storms in the Bible, we're talking more about trials of life that you go through, seasons of hardship, seasons of difficult times and, and uh, stress or, or anguish or pain or sorrow, and these times that seem to come upon you where everything was sunny and great, and then all of a sudden it seems like you're in the midst of a, of a storm. The winds are blowing, the rain's coming, there's lightning, there's thunder, it's confusing, and we all go through those storms in life. We need to know some things about storms. And I think this, this parable tells us a lot about storms in general uh, for the Christian life. So let's look down at verse number 24. Therefore, now we're going to talk about why that word is there. Therefore, what's it referring to before that? But we'll get to that. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, Jesus said, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, what is Jesus saying there? Therefore, him, him that heareth these sayings of mine. What sayings? What's the context? Jesus just got through preaching the greatest message ever preached. He's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He starts off, if you remember, with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, and on and on and on. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And, and he talks about the Beatitudes. He goes through, and then he talks about taking it up a notch. Ye have heard how it hath been said, don't murder, but I say unto you this. And, and he goes through, he gives the, the verses about how God will take care of you. He talks about lay not treasures up uh, on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up your treasures in heaven. He gives the story about, hey, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't worry. You can't change your height by thinking about it. Why are you worried about everything else going on in life that you can't change? And he talks about, hey, seeking God first. In chapter 7, he talks about prayer. He talks about how, hey, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And so all of these things he talks about in chapter 7, verse 13, about, about how, uh, the straight way, the narrow way, or the broad way. He talks about the false prophets and says the tree shall be known by its fruits. I mean, he is preaching and he's hitting everything, right? I mean, he is just, he, he it's not just one topic. Jesus is hitting all these things and it is the greatest message ever preached. And he starts this last part of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the end of it with this in verse 24. Therefore, after all that he just said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, hey, you listened to this message and you heard all that I had to say, and doeth them. If you hear them and you do them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Every time I read this, I... Think about the three little pigs and the, and the wolf, you know, trying to blow the house down. Verse 26, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, so they both heard, both groups of people heard, and doeth them not. So you get what he's saying here. He's saying, I just preached this whole message unto you, and it's great that you heard it. But if you don't do anything, you're not the wise man. You're the foolish man. 
What's the foolish man? What happens to his house? And doeth them not, verse 26, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Now, sand is not the most reliable substance, folks. Not the most sturdy thing in the world. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. I mean, it crashed down. It was gone. It was over. Came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine or teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So we're seeing the context here of Jesus saying, hey, you've heard all these things, now do them. But in the midst of that, there is such great teaching about storms. And I just, I want to pray with you and then just talk to you about the wise man and the storm and what we could learn about the storms that we go through in life. Father, bless, I pray, uh, these next few moments that we have together in the message. Lord, I, I need you. We all need you here today. We need to hear from you. Pray that you speak through me. And uh, God, I, I, I humble myself before you that you would be able to just use my words this morning to help your people. Thank you for this great group here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to give you a couple of way, uh, things by introduction. First of all, let me say this by way of introduction. Notice who the storm came upon. Notice who the storm came upon. It says here that the rain descended in verse 25, uh, but it was on the, the wise man. And then it talks about the, the foolish man. The, the rain came upon him too. So, so the rain is falling on wise people and foolish people. What's this tell us? It tells us that storms come on everybody. Storms come on everybody. You can't escape it. There will be storms in life. There will be difficulties in your life that, that, that you will, sometimes you may bring the storm upon yourself. Sometimes other people's lives bring the storm upon you. Sometimes you have no idea why the storm came. It just came. There was no sign of it, but it just came upon your life. It doesn't matter if you're wise or foolish. It doesn't matter if you're saved and know Jesus Christ as your Savior or you don't. You will still have storms in life. But I will say this. If you do know Christ and you are living a wise life, the result of that storm will be different. We need to realize that. The storm hit the wise person and the storm hit the foolish person, but the result was different. One's house fell, one's house stood the test of time. I will also say this. Notice that the same rain the same rain, it was the, it was the rain, it was the flood, it was the wind, the same rain, the same uh, flood, the same wind hit both houses. What does that tell me? That tells me we all face the same problems. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, everything you face, every temptation or trial that you face, someone has faced it before. We all face the problem of sin. We all face the problem of ourselves. We all face the problem of sorrow. All of that is, is true for each of us, that, that we all face the same problems. I will say this, that, that righteousness does not guarantee a life without storms. Righteousness does not guarantee a life without storms. You say, well, if I live right, I'll never have a storm. I'm sorry, that's not how it is. In fact, some of the most righteous people have gone through bigger storms than I could even imagine. Say, so, well, why live righteously? Because it's wise. That's why. And look at what happens to the house. It stands through the storm. But the foolish person, the person that, that lives apart from God's law, that lives apart from, from what God wants them to do in their life, their house will fall. So it's very important that we realize that this is talking about everybody, that this is talking about wise people or foolish people, but, and the same problems are coming upon everybody, but that, and the righteousness does not guarantee you won't have a storm, but the result will be different. But I want to say by way of introduction, secondly, notice what type of storm this was. This was the type of storm that, that rattles and dislodges things. 
You ever had a, uh, we're in California here, when we hear a little bit of thunder, we kind of freak out a little bit, you know, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and some of you are not from this area, or maybe you're from Northern California where the storm is a little bit more intense, but uh, yeah, I grew up, in, I was born in Arkansas, so I know the storms in the south. I lived in the Midwest where, where tornadoes and, and funnel clouds and all this kind of stuff, and the thunderclaps are so loud, your ears are ringing afterwards, and no matter what you're doing, it shakes you, and it, it frightens you, and it terrifies you. This was a big storm. This was a storm that destroyed and tore things down. I mean, houses were destroyed in this storm that's mentioned here. This was the type of storm that could test the very foundations that the houses were built upon. And I'll tell you, there are storms in life that test your foundation. They will test who you are, and they will test where your faith is. That's the type of storm we're talking about. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But what are we learning here about some storms? I want to say two things. I want to just give you... Uh, two main thoughts today about storms. I want to talk about the impact of storms. I want to talk about the, 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 the uh, ingredients, the important ingredients during the storm. But first of all, let's talk about the impact of the storm here. This storm that we're talking about, Jesus is mentioning, had the potential to destroy a house and wash it completely away. Both of these houses were hit by the storm. Both of these houses had the rain and the floods and the wind. So this was, uh, they were not going to be the same after this storm, right? But notice a couple things that was involved in this storm. Look if you would at verse number 25. It says, and the rain descended. So now we've got rain falling down. Now rain is very interesting in the Bible. The first time we see rain actually falling in Scripture is, is, is right before what? The flood. That's the first time we see it. We don't know if it rained before that. A lot of people think it didn't, but it's mentioned in Genesis chapter 2. But the first time we see rain falling, it was in the form of judgment. Judgment upon the world. Uh, we see it uh, when it was raining in Egypt. It was raining and hailing as a form of judgment upon the earth. Then we see the Bible talks about manna being rained down upon God's people. So it was a blessing. Then in Leviticus, it talks about rain in the due season. It was a, a blessing. Uh, you know, when Elijah uh, prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years, and he prayed and it did rain, boy, that was a blessing. So the lack of rain was a judgment. So sometimes in Scripture, rain is a judgment. And sometimes in Scripture, rain is a blessing. And, and uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, the same message Jesus is preaching here, he said that God is good enough to make it rain on the just and the unjust. So he's saying God's goodness, he lets it, his goodness come upon everybody, the good and the bad. And so throughout Scripture, we, we, we find that rain could be a blessing or a punishment. Now, that's going to be important a little bit later on. But we see rain falling down. We see, secondly, and the floods came. So here's the rain coming and the water's starting to build. And so it's coming down and now it's starting to come up. It's starting to flood in the house. All right, and our street is notorious. Like, right in front of our house over in Cerritos, we, I don't know what happened with the city planning, but we have no drainage whatsoever. And so every time it rains, right outside where our gutter is and our car is, there's like a foot of water. For, and, you know, and you have to be like an Olympic long jumper to just you know, get across that thing sometimes. And uh, my poor kids several times are like, I can make it, Dad. And man, they're just right in the middle of it. You're getting in your car to come to church. You got soaked up to your calf, you know, because the, the rain there and everything. And, and who knows what's all in there, syringes floating and stuff, you know. But maybe it's not that bad. But 
I tend to embellish a little bit, but it, was, it, it, it does get bad. But So the, he, we have the rain coming down, and now we've got the rain coming up. I mean, and what is it doing? It's washing the foundation, testing the foundations of this house. So you got rain falling down, you got the, the, the water coming up, but then look what else is involved. It says, and the winds blew. The winds are blowing too. So you not only do you have rain descending and falling down, you got floods rising up. Now you got wind blowing side to side. And you know, wind can come at you from every direction. We have Santa Ana winds here. You know, and you can look outside, you can be peaceful in your home and look outside and the palm trees are just like bent over and, and doing this over like one of those things that you see outside of a car dealership, you know, the trees are doing that. And, and we see on, on TV about the hurricanes, thing. Thank God they don't, they don't come this way, you know, through the Pacific. They just come this way through the Atlantic, right, to, uh, to that side of the country. But and I, I remember growing up and, and, and seeing, again, storms in the Midwest as trees are just, you come outside and you'll see a tree by the, by the wind, just thick, huge tree just being torn down. So you got wind blowing every direction, side to side. You got rain coming down. You got water coming up. What's the lesson? Trials can come at you from all sides. Trials can hit you from every angle. You won't see it coming sometimes. And it's just hitting you and hitting you from every direction. It's tossing you one way or another. You look up, trial. You look down, trial. You look side to side, no way out. Sometimes that's how storms hit you. And you can't see a way out. Maybe today you're being surrounded by the storm. Uh, maybe you, you feel like you've been hit from every direction. And if not, you probably have been there before. Can I ask you, when you do go through a storm, what impact does it have on your faith? What impact does it have on your faith? And it's, it's going to show us some things. And I wonder today if there's some of you here that, that your faith has been shaken before. It's, it's been shaken. Your faith in God, your faith in church, your, and really your faith should always be in God, but, but your faith in the things of God. I wonder if it's ever been shaken before by something you've gone through. I watched a YouTube clip. The other day, and I thought it was one thing, it turned out to be another. It was a Baptist convention uh, in Texas or something, and it was about evangelism. And so I was like, oh, outreach, talking to people about Christ. This is great. And they had two guys sitting up there. And it was, uh, and it was a question and answer time. So they had the guy, Baptist convention on outreach. And they had a, 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 a microphone in the aisle, and the guy came up and asked one of the guys a question. And he said, hey, I just want to ask, I'm from your old church back over here in this part of Texas when you were a teenager. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. And the guy, said, I, I, the guy down here was talking to him and said, and I, I watched you when you were a teenager and a bunch of the guys in the youth department. And, and man, you seem to really have it. And, and you know, you, you, you claimed that you had been called to be a pastor and God was wanting to use you. And I just wanted to ask you, what happened? And I'm like, well, now I'm listening. Give me the gossip, right? Now. No, I'm just kidding. But I was like, well, what's he, what's he talking about? And the guy sat up there and he said, you know, well, I just, you know, got to a place in my life where when I got out of high school, I felt like, you know, God was telling me this, but then I learned that was wrong. And he, he goes on this whole story. And I'm finally trying to figure out, like, what is this guy talking about? And I went out, you know, and I, I joined the Navy, and, and then I got out of the Navy, and I, I worked a job, and then I felt like God was calling me to be a minister, and then, you know, after that, I just, and he, as he began to talk, it began to dawn on me, I don't even think this guy's a believer. And so he, what he began to do is he began to talk about how, yeah, I, I felt like God was calling me, but then I just really started getting into philosophy, and I was like, 
uh-oh. And I really began to, to just ask a bunch of questions about God and really just started thinking, there's no good answers for any of this. I'm like, here we go. Here we go again. And he said, so he said, so that's why I'm an atheist. And I'm like, what are you doing at a Baptist convention on evangelism? Who asked you? Like, fire that guy, right? You know, oh yeah, we need to get this guy in here. He's going to be great. And then he's like, oh, I'm an atheist, so don't tell people. Like, who got the guy there? You know heads would roll, right? So anyway, but he's there, and, and, and that's what he's talking about. He's the head of an atheist organization. He leads it. Like, and, and he was actually very kind because, and he, was, he should have been because the crowd was full of Christians and, and Texas Christians. You know they're carrying at least four guns each, right? So you're going you're to call them stupid. You're going to leave with holes, okay? But, uh, but anyway, so he was very kind and he said, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, and my dad is a Texan, you know, he's born there. And, and he's like, and I'm not calling you stupid. He said, it's not that I got smarter, it's just that I can't honestly answer why it, there should be a God or, or why God exists and all this kind of stuff. And I sat there and thought, you know what? He just ran through a testimony of going to a good church, feeling God's call upon his life two times that he ran from twice getting into philosophy and Eastern religions and asking, you know, is there even a God? And he said, I began to study all religions to even determine should there even be a God. And I was like, who gave you the right to determine if there is a God? Like, there is one. You don't get to determine if there's one. You get to determine whether you believe it. And, and, and I just went through that and think, you know what, somewhere along the line, Maybe it was his own doing, but his faith shook. The wind blew against his house. The rain came against his house. The floods came up in his house, and it was washed away. And I really hope, I, I hope that he comes back to Christ or gets saved if he never was. And I wonder today how many people have in here have thought about quitting church. Hey, look, you're not a terrible person just because you thought that. Maybe you've thought about walking out on God and saying, you know what, I'm through with this whole thing. And maybe you've questioned God. You're not a terrible person if you've, if you've felt that way. We all go through things that test our faith. It is the nature of all things. You will be tested. It has to be. Aren't you glad before you get in an airplane, they kind of test some stuff out? You get in a car. Things have been tested. And God is going to test you. He's not going to tempt you to sin. But he will test you and try you by fire, the Bible says. To, to, and it helps you. It's not to hurt you. It's to help you. So we see here that the storm has an impact. The storm has an impact. You're not the same after the storm. And there's rain and there's floods and there's wind and all this kind of stuff is happening. But I want you to see, how do we make it through? What are the important ingredients during the storm? I have three and I'll be done. The important ingredients during the storm. Let's look at our scripture here again. It says in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them... I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The first thing there that's important is that we see in verse 24 is that this man proved his wisdom by not only hearing the word, but by doing them, by doing the words of God. What do you need in a storm? I'll tell you what you need in a storm. Number one, you need prudence. Prudent. It's not, you know, we, we use the word prudent uh, uh, occasionally in our, in our language, but, but you could say wisdom. But prudence has a different, uh, a different focus than just wisdom. Prudence has more of a focus on the future. Now, you know storms are coming. 
You know that, unless you've got your head in the sand, no pun intended about the sand, but you've got, unless you've got your head in the sand, you know that storms will come in your life. And if you know the Bible and you're listening today, you know that your faith will be tested. So what do you do? Jesus said the wise thing to do, knowing that storms are coming in the future, is to prepare for it. How do you prepare? You prepare by listening to God and doing what he says. When he says, hey, look, your house is weak in this area, uh, shore it up, make it stronger, then you do that. By the house, we're talking about your life today, okay? We're talking about your life, what you're building your life upon. And if he says, hey, this part of your life is weak, I'm telling you now, do something with it. If you don't do something with it, you got the problem. When we bought our house, uh, we had an appraiser come out, and uh, you know this lady put on like this hazmat suit, you know, and she's crawling through the attic and the roof, and she got down. I don't even know how she fit under the front part of our house, but she's crawling through there, you know, kicking out skunks or whatever's living underneath there. A couple of homeless men, and uh, just crawling through. And hey, there wasn't. I'm just kidding. I would not do that job, first of all, because you know the spiders down there are like the size of my hand. There's just no way. But she crawled through there, and she came out, and she said, hey, everything looks good. She said, but here's what you need to do. She said, "Some of uh, the, the rain gutter system here in your house, whoever designed it, I don't want to talk bad about it. do not know what they were doing because all the rain is running into this little gap that leads under the house. So all the rain is coming under your house, and it's going to weaken your foundation over time. Fantastic. Thank you for the good news. Yeah, so I'm like, what in the world? Who did this? I think much of the house was done by the guy that owned it, probably. You can tell that. But uh, I, I, you know what? We, we heard that. And you know what? For, for, for probably 10 or 15 years, if we didn't do anything, things would be fine. Probably for 10 or 15 years, maybe 20 even. But you know what's going to happen after a while? That house's foundation is going to be compromised. And the foundation, we're going to learn in a minute, is, is very important. Probably the most important part. Jesus said, hey, you hear it, but you got to do something. If I don't do something about that, which we did, but if I heard that and didn't do anything about it, I'm not wise. Well, I have the knowledge. Who cares? You didn't do anything. Prudence. Prudence, uh, wisdom says, I see the trouble coming. The wise man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The wise person looks ahead and says, hey, trials are coming. Hey, tr uh, times are coming down in my life that are going to be difficult, and I need to be prepared. I need to be in my Bible. I need to be walking with God. It's very important. It will be very important during the storm that you did something with your knowledge. When the storm hits, it will be very important that you were prepared for it. The word prudence means cautious. It means practically wise. It means acting with care and thought for the future. It means you look ahead and prepare. This, this, by the way, prudence and wisdom gives you blessings in the future. You don't always have the payoff now for your wisdom. But when the storms come in the future... You will be so glad that you did what God told you to do. You'll be so glad that you stuck with the right foundation during the storm. If you build upon the rock, hey, you get blessed in the future when the storm hits. My father-in-law was a, a youth pastor in Louisiana. My wife was one and two. Uh, she's born there, and her and her sister were there. And, uh, and there was a storm coming in in Louisiana, you know, 
there's storms that hit Louisiana. Did you know this? And, uh, like, you know, Katrina, hurricanes, things like that. But there was a storm coming in, and my father-in-law had started a project of re-roofing their house. And so he had a guy in the church that was supposed to meet him early that day and help him. And he's already getting plywood up there and doing all the stuff to prepare for it. And, uh, and he knows the storm's coming, but he has this guy coming. And they're going to get it all done. And he had, had ripped off the shingles and everything, and he was preparing. Well, this guy, phone call, hey, I'm going to be delayed. I won't be there on time. He's looking out the window, and he doesn't know how to do the roofing and the storms. You know, the clouds are starting to get darker and getting closer. And he's calling the guy. And, and the guy just doesn't show. And so my father-in-law, as the storm is hitting, he's up on the roof of his house trying to put tarps and over everything. The storm's coming, the, the, the wind is beating, and my wife, who was probably two at the time, and her older sister and her mom were sitting in the living room on a couch watching sheets of rain come through the house into the living room and into the kitchen. And Faith's sister said, it's raining in the house. She was very excited about it. Pastor was not excited about it. My father-in-law was not excited about it. The floods came. <laughs> Look, what you built... Now, now, probably, if he had known that guy wasn't going to show up and looked ahead and been able to see that, he wouldn't have done that. Prudence tells us, look ahead. Look ahead and prepare for the storm. So what you build your life upon now determines how you hold up in the future. What you build your life upon now determines how you hold up in the future. So don't just come to church and hear messages. What, what good does that do you? You come to church and you heard a message. And you walk out and say, ah, it was a great message. What are you going to do with it? Because if you hear it and you don't do it, the Bible says that's pretty foolish. Because you know the storm's coming. In the, Bible, in the New Testament, James chapter 1, you know, if you hear it, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. It's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass and, 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 and going away and forgetting what manner of man he was. In other words, you, you, like, it's like you look in the mirror and you see all the problems and stuff in your teeth. And you're like, oh, I'm fine. You walk away. And, and you don't change something. Do something. The rain is falling on wise people and foolish people. The difference is that the wise man was prepared for it. The wise man was prepared. So what do you need during a storm? You need prudence. You need wisdom. You need to look ahead. You need to prepare. How do you do that? By doing what God says to do. Don't just listen to a message. Do something. Secondly, what else do you need? You need protection during a storm. You need protection. There's only three, so just stay with me. There's, you need protection. This is so important. You, know, you can't face a storm alone. You, you, you can't just stand out there in the elements and face it. We need protection. Verse 24 tells us, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken an, an, an Liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. I would assume that the foundation is paramount in a house. Brother Oscar, am I right on that? Foundation, pretty much most important part you know, of structurally speaking there. It's paramount. It's of the utmost importance, uh, uh, the foundation. The foundation needs to be unmovable. It needs to be unshakable. I remember when I went to college and the church that, uh, that uh, started the college there up in Santa Clara, they, they were building a new building, a 3,000-seat auditorium for their church. And when I got there, they had just, they had spent like a year or two just building like the basement, the foundation. And I'm talking like for all the years we were there, for the longest time, you know what the thing that took the most time was? The foundation. 
And then the structure, getting the beams up in these huge, like we had these, these, uh, uh, these wooden ones here. They had metal just going all up and around like a skeleton, like a rib cage going across the whole property there. And it took so long. They even said, it's taken us years just to get out of the ground, to build the foundation of a thing. Why? Because the foundation is the most important. Go to the Emirates, the, uh, uh, the United Arab Emirates, and if you want to go over there, and, and to Dubai. And you can go see the Burj Khalifa. The Burj Khalifa is the tallest building in the world. But as tall as that building is, it goes down, like, I, I forget, I, I don't want to overestimate, like, you know, thousands or hundreds at least of feet into the ground that building goes to be able to support the structure above it. The foundation is foundational. It's so important what you build your life on. The wise man built his house on the rock. What's the rock represent? Well, I think we know. Jesus is the rock. You could say, you know, the, the word of God, the truth, truth is the rock. Christ, he is the truth. He is the word. That's what you build your life upon. Now, I will tell you this. The storm might move you, but the storm ain't moving the rock. The storm might move you. But the storm ain't moving the rock. The rock is Jesus. He's not moved by the storm. He controls the storm. He can stand up and say, peace be still, and the storm stops. So, so he's not moved by the storm. That's why you attach yourself to the rock, and you've got all the protection you need. What should you do in a storm? You cling to Jesus. And, and, and what would help you is in advance if you built your life upon the principles of the Word of God and not just hearing them, but actually doing what He says. And if you do that, guess what? When the storms come, you're on the rock. You're on the principles and the truths of the Word of God that you've built your life upon. You're not on the sinking sand of the world's philosophies. Hey, we sing, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Those on solid ground are strategically positioned to make it through the storm. That doesn't mean they will, but they are strategically positioned to make it. They have a better chance. So many Christians, they're, they're found, they, they are moved from their faith because their foundation was never really on Christ. Sometimes a Christian's foundation could be upon the church or upon the pastor or upon a spiritual leader or upon somebody in the church, but no, your foundation must be upon Christ. Because why? Because that way if the church fails you, or the pastor fails you, or the staff fails you, or the deacons fail you, or your Sunday school teacher fails you, or the, the greeters fail you, you know what? You don't quit on God because your faith is in God, not the church. You have to have that, folks. Because look, if you leave our church, and hey, I, I hope nobody leaves our church, but, but it happens from time to time. If you leave our church, you still need to be in church. Why? Because your foundation needs to be on Christ. What you build your life upon will be clearly revealed when the storms come. We'll see it. We will see when the storms come in your life what you built your life on. It was it the principles and the truth of the word of God? Or was it something else? What you need in a storm is you need prudence to look ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to do what God says to do now so that when the storm comes, I'm ready for it. You need protection. You need to be built on the rock. You need to be on Jesus Christ and, 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 and him as your foundation. But thirdly and lastly, it's also very important during a storm what your perception is. Now, I'll end with this. Remember we talked about earlier. 
In the Bible, rain is kind of a funny thing. Sometimes rain is a blessing. And it's like, yes, it's finally raining. And they're walking outside and they're getting, you know, probably stuff to, to hold the rain and all this. Oh, it's rain is great. It's wonderful. During the flood, rain was not so great. It was like, stop raining, you know, and the rivers are, are coming. It's flooding buckets and, and just you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, so sometimes rain is good. In the Bible, sometimes rain is bad. We can look at it and say, hey, uh, you know, we, we, we can't tell why the rain is coming. Maybe it's a trial coming into my life. Maybe it's, uh, you know, a, a chastening that God is doing in my life. Maybe the rain is just a blessing. Uh, you can picture rain as both. Here's the thing. It just, it really depends on how you look at it. Is the rain a blessing or is the rain a curse? Oftentimes, it depends on how you look at it. In the Bible, it's pretty clear oftentimes, hey, this was a curse, this was a blessing, whatever. But in our lives, we don't always get all the answers. We don't get the Bible commentary on the life of Eli. And oftentimes in life, you may have a trial come, you may have rain coming in your life, there may be something that, that you don't know what's going on, but really how you interpret, how you see that really matters. As a kid, I remember uh, I, I would be so excited when it would rain in Arkansas. I remember, like, you know, it would, it would pour rain. And I was like, yes, muddy front yard. I can't wait to get out there. You know, my parents were like, hey, it's, it's, it's lightning. Don't go out there, you know. But, uh, but I, I was, as soon as it was done, I'm like chopping the bit, go out there and just get my hands in the mud, you know, and, and dig up, like, worms or whatever, you know, just have a good time uh, out playing in the mud. When it rained, I was like, yes. When it rained, my dad was like, ugh. That grass is going to grow so fast, you know that? It's going to be up to my waist tomorrow, you know? It was a complete, he's thinking about mowing the grass. I'm thinking about getting out there and swimming through the mud, you know? Like we had different reactions to the storm, different viewpoints for the storm. You know, oftentimes we, we resent trials. People go through trials and, and they resent God. They resent that they have to go through something. But we've already learned everybody goes, goes through stuff. And trials are an opportunity for you to grow. You may not be rejoicing in the trial like, you know, yes, I can't, I can't believe, finally I got a trial. But Paul was sitting in prison when he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How do you see your trial? Just as crops need rain, Christians need testing. We need it. How, how, how do you see the storm that came into your life? Listen to how Paul saw his storm. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he said unto me, God said unto Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Do you take pleasure in weakness? Do, do you rejoice when you're persecuted? Boy, that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. And, and, and maybe that's a Christian growth area where we need to get better at. But I will tell you this. You can still see the positives in the storm. And you may not have asked for the storm. You may be associated with somebody and they brought the storm to you. You were doing just fine, but they said, hey... They got the Eeyore storm cloud over their head. And they walk over to you, and now you're getting the storm cloud. You didn't ask for it, but it's in your life now. What do you do with that? Perhaps God 
It's trying to teach you something. Perhaps there's something, some area of growth that God wants to do in your life. He doesn't do anything without a purpose. So I'm not saying be like, yes, bring the storm, yeah. But maybe we could be like, okay, this is another opportunity to prove God's goodness, to grow in my Christian life. Because you can't do the opposite. You can't be like, well, this is it. I, I'm always going through something. Nobody understands. Nobody's ever gone through what I've gone through. Uh, remember, Job, you're not Job. Okay? So people have been through worse, right? I'm not trying to be insensitive, but people have been through worse. And so what I'm saying is how you see that trial, how you see that storm in your life is so important to whether or not you make it through the storm at all. How you view it is so important. Maybe we ought to be praying, Lord, help me to see the good in this situation. And, and, and Lord, help me to see the good that you can do and you can bring out of this situation. Help me to, to see the growth and the lesson you want me to learn. God, help me to trust you enough to be optimistic. The meaning of this parable as we looked at it was, don't just listen, do something. And I want to just ask you today, what are you going to do with what you hear? Where will you build your life? Will you begin building your life upon the truth and the principles of the word of God? Will you cling to Christ and say, you know what? No, my foundation has got to be solid. I've got to know God. I've got to put my life upon the solid rock and live for him and, and get into his word and see what he says and obey it and do it. Are you going to do that? Because that's wise to do that. Are you going to look at the storm and say, you know what, I don't know that I'm at the point where I can just be thankful for the storm. I think we ought to be giving thanks in everything, yes. But maybe you could look at the storm and say, God, what do we learn here? And Lord, help me to see your goodness even in the midst of the storm. I don't know if you're in one now or going to face one soon, but I think we all need these three things in the storm. We need prudence to look ahead. We need protection from God, and we also need the perception to be right. And then today, if you're here without Christ and and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, I don't mean to be rude when I tell you this, but you're living in the foolish category. Why? Because if you know that Jesus loves you enough to die on the cross for your sins, and you know that if you die without being forgiven, that you'll have to pay for your sins in hell, and you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to go to hell, and he paid for your sins for you, but you don't do anything, that is the ultimate foolishness that you could ever have. To have a free gift of God of your forgiveness of sins and to reject it. That is the ultimate foolishness. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. That if there be anybody here that does.